Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're continuing today our series called Cultivate. Look at somebody say, Cultivate. Cultivate, cultivate. This is your second sermon uh, today. And we've been going through our core values as a church. We're kind of revisiting, revising, revisioning our values, if we will. And we started talking on week one about our, one of our core values, which is presence, right? Y'all remember, y'all going to declare these with me today. Presence. Why, why do we value presence? Because we value the presence of the Lord because it's awesome, but we do it Every time we gather and everywhere we go, we value family, right? Because we follow Jesus together, right? We value honor because we believe in honoring up, down, and all around. We honor, we, we value power. Why? Because God is moving today. And today we're going to talk about generosity because we're blessed to be a blessing, See, you're not blessed so you can sit around your house and go, I'm just blessed, or post on Facebook, I'm just blessed. No, 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 the reason why you're blessed, the reason why that you have more than you need is because God wants to use you as a resource for his economy. Are you tracking? So if you have a little bit of money left over, it's not just for you to go out and, you know, water size your meal. (laughs) Come on. I don't know, that might, that might be a necessity. Now, let's go back to Genesis, because we've been spending a lot of time in Genesis, uh, chapters 1 through 3 during this series. In Genesis, it says this in verse 22. It says this, then God blessed them. The first thing that God blesses is marriage. Come on. God blesses Adam and Eve. He blesses them. Long before God commissions them, he blesses them. Are you tracking? So God blesses them saying, be fruitful. Come on, how many know that you were blessed to be fruitful? Then he says this, and multiply. What is multiply? What is be fruitful and multiply? That means that you are expanding what is inside of you. How many know that Adam and Eve had to do some work to see God's blessing come forth? To be fruitful and multiply, it took something. It took some intimacy. How many know that there was a seed inside of Adam? Come on. And and so God put the seed in Adam, but Adam had a partner with God to see God's plan unfold on the earth. And so some of you got, got this whole praying for God's will different. We pray that God's will will happen. When we pray, when we pray for God's will, what we're saying is, Lord, we're asking for your will to be done through my feet, through my hands, through my words. And so with Adam, it was through his loins. I'm not being graphic. I'm not being unmodest. I'm, I'm saying God gave them this ability to reproduce. Did you know that God gave you the ability to reproduce? And not just the ability to reproduce physically. He put in your nature an ability to reproduce anything that comes in your hand. So it says this in verse 29. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing fruit. Every seed bearing fruit, that's important. Why? Because the seed possesses within itself more fruit. And if you eat the seed, it dies with the seed. And some of you, you're in lack today because you've been eating the seed. Some of you are burned out today because you've been eating the seed. Because God gave you a seed called time and you ate it. You weren't generous with it. You think, well, I'm so burned out. I don't have anything to give. That's where you've, you, 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 you've been burned out because you thought it was about you. That's where burnout comes from. Oh, I just can't do anything anymore. Listen, I've been trying to burn myself out since 1993. What is that? 20, I'll start losing track. Huh? 50 years? Almost. Not quite there, fella. It's a long time. I've been, I've been, I've been run, burning it on all ends for a long time. And you guys that know me know that I have a lot going on. And I, guess what? It's my job to make sure that the fire never goes out. I don't believe in burnout. I believe in rust out. By the way, 
I find that people that say they're burned out are usually people that never had anything to give in the first place. I've just never seen anybody outwork God. <laughs> I've just, I have this philosophy that if I will just be obedient, that he'll make sure that I have the fuel to do it. Come on, you got, and you got to be good steward. And there's principles in there like Sabbathing and taking time off. There. Absolutely. So God creates this resource, a seed. By the way, God is, God is the only one that has ever created something from nothing. He's the only one. You can't create something from nothing, right? And so what we have, this something that we have is called blessing. How many, you've heard the, the statement, we're living on borrowed time, right? Well, it's true because it's, it's not our time to begin with. It's not our oxygen to begin with. It's not our, not our life to begin with. We were created by God for his purposes. When you get that, it's easy to surrender. But some of you think it's about you, but really it's about God. And what I've found is that I'm most fulfilled when I'm fulfilling what he wants. So we're blessed. We've experienced God's favor. That just means that blessed just means that God looks at something, he favors it, he likes it, and he provides for it. That's what it means. That's just, we're going to do a, a series after, after, later on in this year called The Blessing. And we're going to talk about what, what it means living in the blessing. And it has way far more to do with money. Because if, if the blessing stops with you, then that's not a blessing. It's actually a curse. So we've experienced God's favor, and he has blessed us. He's provided for us. So we work from what? We work from this place called blessing. Right? They were blessed and then be fruitful and multiply. Some of you think that you will only be blessed if you be fruitful and multiply. You're getting it backwards. You're getting the cart before the horse. You get the favor and then you work from the favor. You don't work for the favor. You work from the favor. And some of you got this legalistic mindset that if I perform better, then I'll see God's hand in my life. Now, there is an umbrella to get under for real. But get this, you don't earn God's favor. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Does the farmer provide seed? Well, he bought it from a place. Well, where'd they get it from? Well, God provided it. God provided seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase. Blessing and increase. He will provide increase. He will increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You tracking? Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Well, God just wants us to be enriched spiritually. No, 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 no. Enriched in every way. Why? So that you can always be generous. God didn't call us to get fat with blessing. He called to move his blessing through us. See, he provides it all. He provides the seed, the bread, the increase. He provides the physics, the science, the laws, the seed time and harvest. He provides it all. God provides it all. And we partner with God's provision by planting and cultivating, right? So God provides the seed and we work the ground, right? We're, we plant it. We water it. God makes it grow. But you've got to do planning. Some of y'all want God to just show up and do something, but you've done no planting. Would it be foolish for you to walk out in your backyard tomorrow and go, why aren't there corn in my yard? Right? Why aren't there corn? Why ain't there any green beans in my yard? Why ain't there? Because you didn't plant. And some of you are expecting to sow or reap where you've never sown. That's foolish. He provided the seed, but you got to work the ground. So my encouragement to you today is don't eat the seed. Don't eat the seed. Now, what I love about this, and Bill Johnson pulls this out. I love this quote, one of my favorite quotes. He says that we don't eat seed and we don't plant bread. So it's important when you get your paycheck, when you wake up and you have a new day of time, it's important that you don't eat the seed, but it's also important for you to understand that there is bread in what you've been given. Right? You don't give it all away. 100% of your income is not seed. Some of it's bread. 
<laughs> Come on. Some of it looks like Whataburger. Come on. And some of it looks like feeding a kid in Haiti. Don't eat your seed. Plant your seed. So the three blessings that are now, we're going to talk a lot about money today. And, and the reason why we talk about money, and some of you are like, oh, go to, I went to church. Guess what the preacher talked about? Just what I thought he was going to preach about money. Well, you'll know something about here at Overflow. We don't talk about money a whole lot. But I will tell you this, that nothing will illustrate all of our resources better than money. I mean, that's why Jesus talks about money more than any other topic, because money is a great indicator. It's a great director of our hearts. And if you get offended when a preacher talks about money, then that shows that money has too much of a hold on you and you don't have a hold on your money. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to take up an offering after I preach either. Just so you know, I'm going to challenge you though. So three blessings that every person has. First of all, you're blessed with time. You're blessed with time. I hear all the time. I just don't have time for that. You have, you have as much time as anybody else does. You know, I've found the people that are most fulfilled are the, are the quote unquote busiest they're not really necessarily busy. People always tell me that, Pastor, I know you're busy, but no, 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 listen. I'm not busy. I'm productive. I've learned to work my time. My time don't own me. I own my time. So guess what I do? Every day, I seed my time. You know how I do that? Some of y'all been over at our house. I crawl into my recliner. Crawl. Yes, I crawl. It's pretty early, so I don't feel like walking. I cuddle up in my recliner with a cup of coffee and the living word of God in my lap. And I spend time devoting my time to the Lord of planting a seed. And then everything that I do from that moment for the rest of the day is fruitful. Why? Because I planted a seed. Are you tracking? Are you generous with your time? Because I talk to people all the time. I'm like, man, why aren't you praying? Why aren't you in the word? Why aren't you reading your Bible? Why, why are you missing your meeting? What meeting? You have a meeting every day? There's a meeting for you every day. God wants to talk to you. We come to a service, we're like, God, I want you to speak to me. How much time have you been in your word? You want the word to just fall from the sky and give it to you? You just want it to, to come like, no, 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 no. He's saying, listen, if you will seek me, you will find me. This is what he tells Jeremiah 29. He says, listen, search for me. You're going to find me if you'll search for me with your heart. If you search for him with your time, because time indicates where our heart is, doesn't it? You spend the most time with those that you love the most, don't you? Are you generous with your time? I tell, I, I, I'll be real honest. I'm pretty good about tithing my time in the sense that I give the Lord the first fruit. I'm not really good about outside of that, because sometimes I'm like, anybody else? Right? So I've got to be not just a tither of my time, not just giving the first fruit of my time. I've actually got to be also generous with my time. Now, what that doesn't mean is that I give up my Sabbath because that's unto the Lord and it's created for me. But the rest of my six days a week, I'm called to be generous with it. You okay? All right. So if you want to hear from God, why aren't you in the Word? Why do you keep missing the meeting? Tithe your time. And then be generous with your outside of your time. Well, I just wanted to go home and play video game. 36-year-old man. I'm going to scroll on Snapchat, Insta stories, Insta, what's that thing? Reels. We're reeling it up. <laughs> I just want to sit around on my phone all day. What a waste of time. I'm saying that you... Some of that's bread. Eat the bread. Don't eat the seed. Number two is talent. God's blessed you with time. God's blessed you with talent. There's things that you can do that nobody else can do. Now, now it's important that you're objective about your talents because some people can think they can do things that they can't do. I've met a lot. I, I led worship for a lot of years. There's a lot of people that think they can sing. The Lord loves it, but it doesn't bless his people. He loves every sound. Some of you don't need a microphone. Come on. He loves the quiet time in the chair. Oh, Lord, he loves it. Come on. He loves it. He loves it. But are you generous with 
with the gift that God's given. What is your gift? What are you good at? I'm not saying what you like to do, because sometimes what people like to do, they're not good at. <laughs> right? What do you like to do? What are you good at? Are you giving it to God? Are you generous with it? Or you just say, this is what I do. I like it. I'm good at it, but it's for my pleasure. But I'm not going to take anybody else along for the ride because that's my thing. What about your abilities? And we, listen, when we talk about your talent, we're not just talking about your abilities. We're also talking about your energy. Because some of you being involved in a church means that you show up on Sunday. No, you're just consuming church. And no wonder you're not getting much out of it. No wonder it's only good for Sunday and you live from Sunday to Sunday. Well, it's because you're not really participating. Come on, you're spectating. And so what God wants to do is he wants to bring you out of that, that you will find joy because you're applying your heart by applying your talents. What are you good at? Well, I'm just really good at talking to people. Then why haven't you got in on the greeting team with Pastor Charlotte? Well, I just love kids. Awesome. I hope you're good at it. I'm not good with good at that. You don't want me watching those kids. I promise you. Actually, you probably do because some of them are going to come on a little bit more. <laughs> um, break out the spankings. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe. So, for real though, like, what, what, what kind of ability do you have? What kind of strength do you have? What kind of energy do you have? Are you bringing that? Are you generous with it? I just want to come and just relax and sit. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I also have to give. I also have to give us some of my time. That consumer mindset, listen, this is what has crippled the church. Because we've got we've got churches where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It should be 80% of the people doing 20% of the work. Right? So when we move back to two services pretty soon, because you can tell we need to do that. Some of y'all are freaking out. Why are we distancing? It's like, well, because we can't have two services because you won't volunteer to serve in kids. I'm just saying, that's the reason why we don't have two services right now. I'm just being honest with you. This is, this is, this is, your, this is daddy time, all right? I'm just a pastor just telling you, listen, part of the reason why we don't have multiple services right now is because we don't have the workers for it. Jesus said, hey, listen, you don't have to pray for the harvest. Just pray for the workers. The harvest is going to be there. Who's going to work the harvest? We need you. We need you. We'll talk a little bit more about our mandates next week. You know, going to church and, and warming a seat is not bring, is not being generous with your talent. Okay, what are you good at? Bring it, because there might be something you're good at that we never even knew could be used by God. Maybe you even thought that it's like the only thing I'm good at is waving at people as they pass by. Awesome, we need people in the parking lot every Sunday to wave at people as they pass by. We need that. Oh, that sounds awesome. I could do that. You could. You should. Sign up with Pastor Charlotte. I don't have to serve us. Yeah. Number three, our treasure. So we have our time. We have our talent. We have our treasure. These are all things that God has blessed you with. And your treasure is obviously your money, right? And how many of you know that money was never meant to control you? Yet some of you, the only thing that you wake up for every day is an alarm clock telling you to go and work for money. And I hate that for you. Because I think God, if God has you somewhere to make money, he has you there to represent him in his kingdom. That doesn't mean preaching real good when you're at work. That means working real good when you're at work. Come on. Then somebody's going to ask about your work ethic because you're only making $8 an hour. But you're still working. Why? Because you're working for God. So you work really hard at it because you have a life that's surrendered. The thing with money is money is an indicator. Money's an indicator, right? It shows you what's important. You want to know what's most important to you? Go look at your bank statement. They used to print them. Now get online and go look, and that will show what is most important to you. Right? That will show. But it's also a director. You know, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, he's saying, it, it doesn't say, it's not just saying that it's a reveal of your heart. It actually directs your heart. My heart's just not in it. Put some money in it, and your heart will be in it pretty quick. It's really true. Whenever we adopted this, inherited this mission from Haiti, we knew that that was going to be a financial strain on our church, but we said yes to it. Why? 
because we believe that we want to honor the Lord with our treasure. And so it was a huge responsibility. But do you know that since we've said yes to that, that our church has been more blessed financially? Now we can do more for Haiti. And it just keeps growing and growing and multiplying. Why? Because we just said yes to it. We honor the Lord with our treasure. So again, people get mad when we talk about money in church. Listen, we're not talking about materialism. Get this. We're not talking about materialism or greed. Jesus calls it mammon. In fact, he says this, you can't serve God in mammon. You can't serve God in materialism. So again, my agenda today is not to get from you. It's to invest in you. I want, I want you to get this because I think it will really help you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, what I'm not trying to do is get you in a moment of generosity. And, and a lot of times a, a message is preached like this and then we go through a campaign. We have a campaign. We have, we have a giving campaign right now for a new building that ended last year, but we, we need to ramp it up again. But I, I'm not trying to get you to buy a new campaign campaign. I'm trying to get you into a lifestyle of generosity, and it has far more to do with the entirety of your life and the wholeness of your life than it does your checkbook. Way more than your debit card. Way more. That you're not just generous with your money. You're also generous with your time and your talent. You're also generous with your posture. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you realize, I can afford to give a little grace. When someone disagrees with you on Facebook, you can afford to be kind about it. That's a hard one for me. like the trolls. I love the trolls, the family. I don't like trolls, people that just get on Facebook to disagree. It's very annoying. But I can afford it. I can afford someone disagreeing with me. I can afford, listen, I can afford someone mistreating me. You can too. Why? Because you're generous. Because you know that you mistreated God's standards and God looked at you and said, I have a really high standard. And he wasn't like, depart. He was like, here's the way. He's generous. So are you generous with your treasure? So we all want to be generous. Right? How many of y'all say, I want to be generous? I think every person wants to be generous. I think we're created in the image of God. So there's part of us that want to be generous. We want to see good things happen with our resources. I think we all want it. Why? Because first of all, we want to be like him. And God is, God is incredibly generous. He gave this whole planet to us, right? He like creates heaven and the earth. He goes, hey, guess what? You can run it. And we're like, okay. <laughs> Make a mess. <laughs> right? And he's like, all right, I'll help you. He's given you this incredible gift. We want to be like him. And so... We want to give, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is a love language. It's God's love language. He's generous. How many know that you can, you, you can give without love, but you can't love without giving? And that's the way God is. He has a giving heart. He breathed in us. He gave us his spirit. I mean, wow. Me, you, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about power. God gave us his spirit. And we're just kind of trying to exist, going, well, Lord, just help me get through the day. He's like, no, get this. I gave you the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, I gave you ample power. I gave you, I gave you supernatural power that exceeds the corridors of time. And put it, I put it inside you. Give it away. So we want to be like him. Secondly, because we are blessed. We are blessed. Can you say that today? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, say it. I'm blessed. And you're blessed to be a blessing. That's why you were blessed. Not a, not a listen, not to be a, a spoiled brat, because I think a lot of Christians get this wrong. Well, Lord, today I just pray that you give me that right parking spot. I, and you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, you know what? Somebody that probably really need, I probably need to walk. Right? How about you just kind of park out there? You, you need to walk, and someone that needs that spot needs it. They're probably praying the same thing that you were praying. <laughs> but maybe they actually need it. it. It's so funny how we act. Well, you're not going to talk like that to me. I'm a child of God. No, no, no. 
you are a child of God, you can afford them talking to you like that and still be nice about it. Jesus, listen, they ridiculed Jesus was crucified. And he says, no, he did not retaliate. You want to follow Jesus? That's what it looks like. Talk about not retaliating when people accuse you, when people are wrong towards you, when people sin against you, you don't retaliate. That's really love. That's generosity. See, the measure of love is how we treat our enemies. That's the measure of love. Okay. So our value, and get this, listen. Matthew 10, verse 8, Jesus makes a statement, freely received, freely give. What did you do to deserve or earn Jesus? Nothing. Totally free. The gift of God. Because God favored you and he liked you, you're blessed because of Jesus. You're seated in heavenly places. Whoa. You're a child of the, of the master of the universe. Act like it. Act like it. So our value is not accumulation, right? We're not just trying to say, oh, we, you know, we have these declarations. Let me be real honest with you. Can I be real honest with you? You know I'm going to be. But, but I do ask that you would just let me. We do this declaration every week. And since we've started our church, we've done this. This is 2012. And there's always been this little part of me that's like bashful because I know that people will misinterpret it. I know that people will come in and they'll look at that and they'll go, and they'll go are you a prosperity church? And I'll say, we are, but not like what you think. We're not a poverty church. Are y'all a prosperity gospel church? No, no, no. We're a provision gospel church. We're not a, definitely not a poverty gospel church. So we, we have these declarations, and we've had more conversations about things that we do, methods that we have as a church around that. And there's been many times, many staff meetings, the staff can tell you this, many times that we've sat around and we've said, do we need to get rid of it? And every time that that happens, the following week we hear, I got a check in the mail this week. I got a raise at my job. I'm seeing blessing and increase. Every time that we decide to pull back, I think the Lord is just like, you just need to stay with that. And so you know what? We've had, we've had people leave the church because of it. Seriously. And I'm like, you don't understand. We're not declaring those things so that we have more, not to accumulate. But so I'm asking God to bless my house that I'll have more money. Why? So I have a bigger house? No. So I can be more of a blessing to people. We made a decision. Pastor Leslie and I made a decision in 2013. One of the biggest obstacles, because I'm in honesty, (laughs) I'm going to be honest all the time anyway. You all know that. But one of the biggest obstacles for us planning a church is we were thinking, what are we going to do for money? I had this little bitty design business. That's all I had. And we were so concerned about our finances. Someone else had been signing my paycheck for 20 years. And now I was going to have to sign my own. And that's scary. Some of y'all think, oh, I want to be a business owner one day. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Come on, all you business owners. You know, this is the house of business owners, by the way. And so we were in this, in this year, and I heard Bill Johnson preach a message, and he said that he made this statement. He said, we've never tithed less than 20%. And when he said that, I got convicted. Like, a good conviction. It wasn't like, you're bad for not to. It was more like, oh! It challenged me. It put something in my heart. I was like, oh, 20%? I've been tithing 10. So I went home, and I told us, I was like, babe, we were hurting, man. You know, I mean, I, we had a kid on the way at the time. We had two. You know, church ain't paying us anything. And I went home and I said, hey, babe, um, I feel like the Lord wants us to start tithing 15%. Because that's generosity, right? Tithing isn't generous. Above the tithe is generous. And so, because the tithe already belongs to the Lord. If you're not tithing, you're robbing God. And so you're giving something that actually belongs to you. You're getting into that 90%. So I said, oh, babe, I just really feel like, all right. She was like totally on board. I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping like for some resistance here. Kind of hoping we can like work down to like 12 or something. <laughs> I was kind of talking myself out of it as soon as I said it. Right? And can I tell you that that next year we made more money than we ever had in our life. 
And it wasn't because the church was paying us a big check. My design business took off. I went from teaching. My teaching was moving up. I was getting a raise at this other job that I have, one of these design jobs. So it's like all these things where we were seeing blessing increase. Why? Because we decided that we weren't just going to be tithers. Now, some of y'all are tippers when you come to church. You don't even give a tithe. You just give you know, a couple bucks every time. And that's okay if that's where you start with. We're not, we're not here to really call you that. But I said, you know what? We're actually going to learn to be generous. And generosity is costly. And so when we did that, we immediately saw God's blessing in our life. And now, and because of that, now we can give more than we've ever given. And I don't say that to boast. I say that to say we can only give more because we gave more seed. And when you give more seed, you get more production. And again, it wasn't for our accumulation. It was so we can be a blessing. And so we understand this. So Abraham has this thing, Genesis chapter 12. You guys are familiar with this. We've talked a lot about Abraham because in Christ, we are children of Abraham, recipients of his promise. It teaches us that in Galatians. And it says this about Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he says, listen, I'm going to make you famous. And that doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean the fame like, you know, like you have that many TikTok followers. No, no, no. It was, Abraham was famous for God is what he was famous for. And he said, I'll make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. And we call this the Abrahamic blessing, right? The Abrahamic covenant. God said, I'm going to bless you and the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Did you know that God wants to bless the nations of the earth through you? God just bless them. God just bless them. When we pray that, you know what, you know what God's saying? Will you put feet to it? Will you put feet to it? Will you be a blessing? So Paul, y'all okay? Y'all tracking? So Paul, okay, New Testament. We need New Testament. All right, look, Second Corinthians. There's this church called Mes- this church in Macedonia, and this church is poor, money, cash poor. They didn't have much cash, okay, but they were rich. Check it out, Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through. Everybody say through. So God has done exemplified, shown an example of His kindness through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. So they're being persecuted, and they're poor. But, that's what he says, they are also filled with abundant joy. Come on, how many almost some joy? They were filled with abundant joy. They had troubles, but they had joy. They didn't have money, but they had joy. But they were filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed with rich generosity. Remember that woman, that old woman, that old widow woman in the temple that day? Jesus said she gave more than anybody else, yet she was the poorest woman in the house, right? What was she doing? She was overflowing joy with rich generosity. For I can testify that they make, that, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They were poor. And they did it out of their own free will. Someone didn't make them do it. Some preacher didn't make them do it. Verse 7, since you excel in many ways. He's saying, listen, I want you, church, in Corinthians, I want you to be like the church in Macedonia. That's called comparison. We don't like that. He's saying, in your generosity, I want you to compare yourself. Watch this. Since you excel in many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, it kind of sounds like overflow, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this. I'm not making you do this because if I make you do this, then you're not going to be like them. Are you tracking? But I am testing. I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of the other churches. So God's saying, I'm going to test your love by your generosity. That's what God's teaching us through the Apostle Paul right here. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that his poverty, he could make you rich. Again, not accumulation, not materialism, but enriched to be a blessing. Are you tracking? So these these are the things that we say about generosity. If I had more, I'd be generous. Remember the woman that had nothing? Jesus said she was the most generous person in the house. She had nothing. If I was more blessed, I would do that. You know what I found? 
I, I, I've heard people say, when I get a raise, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start tithing. They never start tithing. When I get out of debt, I'm going to start tithing. Guess what? They never start tithing. You know when you start tithing? Now. And I love it that God just put a percentage on it because it's, it's an easy round number. So if you're a billionaire, then you give a lot. Right? And if you're making minimum wage, you're still giving a lot. Right? And I love it that it's a percentage, not an amount, a specific amount. Um, and I, I would suggest this also, that if you were generous with what you had, you would have more to be generous with. So I, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, and I heard him say this one time, I'll never give God more than my waiter my waiter more than God. And what he was saying is that he was never going to tip more than 10%. I'm like, well, God is getting 10% of your income, not a percent of your check. I mean, you've already given God more. Hopefully, you've given God more than hopefully your bill isn't that high. But listen, we should be, when we go to a restaurant, we should be like 20% for bad service, right? I mean, you're representing Jesus. You know, five bucks, if you can afford to go out and eat, five bucks isn't that much to you, but it's a ton to them. It's real. Some of y'all waiting tables like, oh, preach, pastor. Been there, man. I know. And where we make statements like this, if I was rich, I would use all my money to feed all the people in the whole world. Who are you feeding now? Or we say this, the rich should help the poor. Let, let me let me level with you. People people of different wages were asked this. What would it take? How much money would it take for you to consider yourself rich? So they asked, the study asked 30 uh, people that were making $30,000 a year. Kind of a, you know, kind of lower end wage. They said, how much would it take for you to consider yourself rich? They said, if I made $74,000 a year, I'd be rich. They asked people that made $50,000 a year, what would it take for you to consider yourself rich? $100,000 a year. People that were making $200,000 a year were asked the same question. They said, if I had assets in over um, $5 million, I would be considered rich. So do you see the rich scale changes in view of perspective? Let, let me give you this perspective. If you are making $8.12 an hour, that's about $1,300 a month. It's not very much money. It's not even enough for your rent, right? So if you're making that much, then you are making, listen again, $8.12 an hour. Then you are making more than 86% of the world. You're on the rich list. You're on the global rich list. If you are making just above minimum wage, you are in the top 14% of the world. Welcome to Forbes. We'll fix that later. You okay? All right. See, we need money to fix that. All right. Rich people problems. Rich people problems. These are rich people problems. You have a roof in the church. You have a roof in the church. We'll, we'll address it later. These are rich people problems. My AC isn't working in my car. I have a car. Guess what? If you have a car, you're in the top 3% of the world. We don't only have cars. We have houses for our cars. We're, we're, they're called garages. And they're filled with things that we don't use. You're rich. In the global scale, in the objective scale, you're rich. My clothes are out of style. I need new clothes. You're rich. You have clothes. Not only do you have clothes, you have a room inside of your home that you keep the clothes that you don't wear because you've got nothing to wear. <laughs> You're rich. They misspelled your name on your grande, non-fat, oat milk, yoga pant latte, right? Rich people problems. These are rich people problems. Listen, beloved, we are blessed. Being rich has little to do with money and neither does poverty. Poverty. 
It has very little to do with money. And if you can get your mind around the fact that you are not poor, but that you are blessed, then you will be a blessing. But some of y'all live in paycheck to paycheck, and I'm looking at your paycheck, and I'm going, I wish I had that paycheck. What are you doing? And you've got to be a good steward. But be, you can't be a good steward and not be generous. You're being a poor steward if you're not being generous. So you better filter in some way to be a little bit more generous. Let me move along here. Listen, see, in the kingdom, wealth is measured by generosity and poverty by greed. That's how we measure richness. It's not how much is in your bank account. It's how generous are you. So are you rich? Are you rich? See, greed will cost you way more than being generous ever will. You know, I've never met a poor, generous person. Never. I've never met a person that outgave God. Not one time. In fact, the most wealthy people, because people are like, we don't like, typically, middle, middle, middle lower classes, we don't like the quote-unquote rich because they make more than we do. But did you know this? If you, most, every rich person that I've ever met, I'm talking about people that are really wealthy, they're the most generous people. And I think maybe that's why they have so much. And they're not, the the richest people that I know have lived in the most modest of homes, drove the most modest of vehicles. And I'm thinking, what the heck? They got money to go out and buy them like they want to be rolling, right? I mean, they should be like, right, cruising, yeah. Because money doesn't, listen, money is just a resource to them. It's not controlling their life. So greed will cost you more than be generous ever will, okay? Let me get through this. Listen, excelling in the grace of giving. How many of y'all want to be great? That, that's what generosity is, the grace of giving. Okay, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me get through this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. How big of a crop? Small. Why? Because he just planted a few seeds, right? He's a tipper. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You much must each, and people, we love this verse, we must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Our pastor in El Paso used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from an old grouch. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need with plenty left over for what? To share with others. Are you tracking? As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Here it is. And then bread to eat. And in the same way, he'll provide the increase, your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched. Again, this verse we went over a few moments ago. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So God wants to bless you to be a blessing. So how do we give? First of all, cheerfully. You okay? Y'all note takers, you need to be a note taker. You need to be a note taker. Number one, you give cheerfully. Verse seven, what does he say? You must decide. That's not a must decide. If I don't give, it's to decide how much am I gonna give. You must decide. What portion am I giving? How many seeds? Because if you don't plant seeds, you're not getting harvest. You must decide in your heart, not reluctantly, meaning this, not unwilling, nor with hesitancy. But you're not going, oh, not under pressure is the third thing he says. Let me help you here. Because we we say, oh, the the preacher is giving us pressure because he's talking about, he's showing pictures of the kids in Haiti. (laughs) I feel under pressure. I do too. I'm okay. Take it. Right? What he's talking about here under pressure is whenever you would go into the temple at that time, they had they had uh, two chests for alms. Alms are what was given above the tithe. There was two chests, right? One was required by the law that you gave. It was funny. In the law, you were forced to be generous. <laughs> there, was, there was a tithe, and then there was a, a, a tithe to be generous to others. Sounds like socialism. So you have to be generous. And then the other one was free will alms. And so what would happen is the religious, and this is what happens with the woman who gave the two mites. The religious would stand there and they would watch people as they walked out of the temple to see, to see if they gave to the generous box. 
And not only to see if they did, because they did, because they were being watched, but they would see how much. So when Paul says this, he says, I don't want you to feel pressured. Whenever you're walking through there, don't give to impress people. Under compulsion, under under pressure. And what pe- many people have taken this verse to do is they'll go, well, I, I just... I." I There's nothing in my heart to give. You're missing the whole context. He's talking about giving, not talking about deciding not to give. Well, I just just don't really feel like God hasn't really moved on my heart. It's because you haven't decided. That's why it starts. You've got to decide. See, and hopefully, hopefully you feel like being extremely generous. I, I hope that's your heart. Right? I hope your heart isn't to be like, well, how much can I hold on to? I hope your heart is like, man, how much can I give and still pay the bills? Whenever I get my, whenever I get my my chance to to sign the tip on there, am I going, I'm just trying to figure out how much they're worth. No, no, I'm trying to figure out how can, what's the most generous I can be in the moment? What are you deciding in your heart? When I come into church, how much can I give today? And it's a, there's an eagerness. This is exciting. So sometimes, listen, if your your feelings are not the best indicator to do the right thing, <laughs> right? Or I would do a lot of bad things, and so would you. Your feelings aren't always the best indicator. That's why it's important to decide in advance. Determine in your heart what you're going to give, right? Not reluctantly and not under pressure, not because someone's telling you, you need to give $13 tip. No, 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 not because the pressure's being there. So number one, you give cheerfully. Number two, you give consistently. Consistently. Everybody say consistently. So he says this, you can always be generous. How often are we generous? Once a year when it's tax season and we need to get up our giving? Come on. The end of the year, let's do our end of the year giving. No, 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 always. Not not just to get a, a bigger tax return or to pay less in your taxes, but you're always being generous. Then he says this, on the first day of the week. What's he talking about? When you come to church, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. What is he talking about? What is this portion? This portion is called the first fruits. It's the tithe. That's what we've been talking about. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. So those guys weren't getting dollar bills whenever they were planting corn. They were getting corn, so they would take a portion of their corn, and they would give it to God. They would give it to the house of God. Y'all okay? Listen, some people say, well, Jesus never talked about tithing. First of all, you don't know your Bible. Jesus was a tither because Jesus kept the law. In fact, Jesus was given about 27%, just so you know. That's what was customs for, for Jews of the day. About 27%. And some of that was that alm that he was forced into. So Jesus did tithe. We know that. Not because of the scripture says, but that he did that, but because we know from the scripture that he followed the law to a T. And so, listen. Jesus does talk about tithing two times. First of all, he talks about in Luke chapter 11, verse 14, it's the only time he ever compliments the religious. The only time he ever compliments on them. He says, you should give, yes. Then he says, well, you give them with the wrong heart, but it's good that you give. And then he says this in Luke 20, 20. We've talked about this before. Give unto God what is God's. What, what is the tithe? The tithe is already God's. That's why in Malachi chapter 3, when it talks about when it talks about you rob God, well, how does someone rob God? You rob God by not giving him something that belongs to him. So the tithe already belongs to God. Did you know that? Did you know that if you get your paycheck and you are you are living off 100% and you don't give God a percent, guess what? You're stealing from God what is his. It's already his. You're just choosing to hold on to it. But it says in Malachi, it says, if you will be faithful in your tithe, that God will rebuke the devourer. So whenever that big electric bill comes up next month, you'll have enough to take care of it. Why? Because you've done your best to take care of God's kingdom. Y'all Okay. Tithing, listen, just because you tithe doesn't mean you're generous either. Come on. I gave my 10%. I'm a generous person. It doesn't sound like a generous heart. The tithing is the floor. Come on. So tithing gets you covered. All right. Third way is this. So what you've decided. So consistently, cheerfully, and number three, sacrificially. We're going to hurry. We're hurrying. We're hurrying. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. 
What is that? That's sacrifice. Sacrifice without pleasure. Remember Jesus sacrificed, yet it was pleasurable, right? For the joy that was set before him. God gave sacrificially when he gave us Jesus. So we should give sacrificially of our time of our talent, of our treasure. See, in generosity, sacrifices are more pleasurable than painful. Let me say that again. In generosity, sacrifices are more, more pleasurable than painful. Fire always falls on sacrifice. David made, made this statement. He said, I will never give to God that which costs me nothing. Right? So, the, the, the awesome thing about sacrificial giving is it doesn't change God. We think that, right? It'll change God. If God sees my sacrifice, it'll change his heart. No, no, no. Sacrificial giving changes you. It changes you. It changes you. So give give till it hurts. Give till it hurts a little bit. Again, I'm not taking an offering. So how do we develop this generous spirit? Five ways. Real quick. You okay? We're done. This is practical. Number one, give thanks. Give thanks. Just be grateful for what you have. See, gratefulness fuels the spirit of generosity. God, I'm so grateful. So grateful for what I have. I'm so grateful, Lord, that, that my water didn't run out this week. I, I was so blessed by gener- the generosity that I saw throughout Texas this past week. Post after post, someone, my power just went out. Someone said, well, you can come stay at my house. And it wasn't just from church people. I saw it all over. I saw it, man, my water, my water, just, you can come fill up your water containers at my house. You can come shower at my house. I just saw strangers on Facebook. I saw strangers talking to strangers saying, come over to my house. I'm just be generous. Why? Because they were grateful for what they had. Give something. Give something, right? Give thanks. Give something. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I'm just starting. Just give something, man. When I was a youth pastor, I remember one night when I just started youth pastoring in Odessa, Texas. And man, we were we were we were youth pastoring in the hood. I know that you think there's a hood in Odessa. Yes, there is a hood everywhere. And so there was a hood, and we were we were pastoring in the hood, youth pastoring in the hood. And so we had all these kids, and we bust them in, man. We loved on them, and 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 we, we would take up an offering. Because we knew that even though they didn't have a lot, we knew that they had something to get. And in that offering, when, we, when, when the guys would count the offering, there would be stuff like Blockbuster gift cards. Y'all know what Blockbuster is? Blockbuster gift cards. There would be like suckers and candy. They were just giving whatever. They, they, they realized that they were so grateful to God. They said, I just want to give something. And I just remember how that moved my heart every time I would see that. Number three is give sacrificially. Give till it hurts. Number four, give consistently. Be faithful in your tithe. Be faithful in an offering. Be faithful in it. Don't don't try it. Don't try it. And give consistently. Give consistently. So we have a thing that we do here at Overflow Church called the Tithe Challenge. Because we know, do 10%, that's a big deal for people that have never done that before. So we we tell people this. Listen, I'm telling you today, if you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to tithe, but man, that's hard. That's a big step of faith. So we say, you know what, you try it for three months. And at the end of three months, if you're left in the poorhouse, we'll give you all your money back. We'll reach into benevolence and we will reimburse you from your time for the last three months. You know how many times we've had to do that? Never. In fact, what happens when people sell out to that is there's some people that try it for a little while and they bail. I understand it's hard. I remember when I started talking, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, how did I not do that? first.